just like, how, how the heck did I get here, man? Like, I'm so thankful that I'm where I'm at, that I am the man that I am, and that I'm, you know, bound to be with him for all of eternity. Yeah. I'm so different than who I was when I started college. Like, drastically different. I'm very different than I was when I first came to know Jesus. And I'm sure I'm going to look back five and ten years from now and be like, man, I'm so different than I was when I was doing that podcast. Um, <laughs> and it's the grace of God that, yeah, like, man. he is mm-hmm. changing me uh, to the praise of his glory, making me more like Jesus. Yep. And, like, if you had asked anybody that I went to high school with or, like, any of my teachers, like, is is what do you think? you think Sam's going to be, like, a pastor when he grows up or you know, like, you think he's going to be, like, following the Lord. Like, nobody would say, like, oh, yeah, like, that's, that's, I see that for Sam. Like, that's what's going to happen. Absolutely not. I, I, I don't think so, at least. I don't think anybody would have, would have said that who knew me well, yeah. at least. And yet, this is where I am. And it's not right. just because one day I woke up, I'm like, I think, I think that's, that's what I want to do, you know, or I think that'd be a good thing to do. No, it's because God overhauled my life and turned my world upside down. Right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the You Are Story podcast. Um, if you're tuning in, I just thank you for the support. Thank you for just lending me your ears for this time and, you know, just rolling with me and, you know, listening to this podcast weekly. You know, I think God is doing something great and God is going to have something special. And like I always say, even if it only impacts one person, I find it a success. So, you know, I think God is working here. And, you know, again, thank you for the support. And, you know, I have a great episode here for y'all today. You know, here at UR Story, oh, before we before I introduce the guest, my bad, here at UR Story, our goal here is to bring people on and just have them share their stories, share their experiences. And by doing that, it just affirms the fact that they're not just part of the story, but lets you know that you are the story. And by hearing your story, it can help somebody else's. So just listen and, you know, grow. And we're here to encourage. We're here to inspire growth. And we're here to serve God. So I have a special guest for y'all today. This is actually one of the first people I met when I got into college. I met him uh, the summer before I got into college. And you know, he's been someone that's been instrumental in my growth, instrumental in, you know, my walk of faith and growing in Christ and everything. And just somebody that I, I, I looked up to during my time in college and someone that, you know, definitely helped me walk the right path and, you know, be the man that I am today. So without further ado, let me I introduce to y'all my man, Sam. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I appreciate you being here. I know you're you're a busy man. You got a lot going on, you know, you're a very purpose-driven man, so I know God's put a lot on your plate, and you're you're killing it, man. You're crushing it, so again, I, I just appreciate you, man. I appreciate you saying those things. Nice. <laughs> but uh, one thing I like to do, and I do this on every episode, I like to remember, I like to talk about and remember when and how I met people, mm-hmm. and so like I was saying in the intro, uh, I met you the summer before I entered college. I'm sure you know Jacob. You know, that's a mutual friend of ours. And, you know, the summer before I got into, I started college, Jacob brought me to uh, an organization called M28 that y'all were doing and y'all were having summer group sessions and things like that. And, 
you know, he brought me. And, you know, I think that that was such a, I think that set the tone for how my four years in college would go because I, I think the first people you meet in college are so important. Um, obviously you can change and obviously that doesn't dictate the direction or the path you'll go. But I think having that foundation and meeting y'all and, you know, especially you and I think, um, Anthony was there. Some other members of M28 were there. Some of the OGs. It feels like it was yesterday, but that was a long time ago. It was man. (laughs) But yeah, the, the reason I like to remember when and how I met people is, Cause I like to see how the relationship has grown, how the friendship has grown. And since then, and me and yours has grown a lot. You know, we've, you know, gotten to know each other a lot more. We've gotten to pray together. We've gotten to eat together. We've gotten to go on retreats together. So there's been a lot just packed in those four years, man. But, you know, going back to that day that I met y'all in that group, in that summer session, you know, what about doing that? And what about practicing faith? in college is so like why is that so important to you to just make sure and be kind of the first people that someone how am i i'm wording this incredibly wrong so what how important is it to you to kind of introduce college students to faith especially through m28 and we'll get into what m28 is in a second yeah i mean it's incredibly important because in college, you're going to meet a lot of different people and you're going to hear a lot of different things. And one of the things that we always say is that, like, you're going to hear a lot of different voices. Mm. You always are. But college, for whatever reason, I mean, it's kind of obvious in some ways, it's a very formational period in your life. So, like, you come to college and you're wanting to either, you know, create this person that you've imagined you're going to be or recreate yourself or whatever. Yeah. And so it's like, Man, when people are trying to decide how they're going to live life out from under their parents' authority, out from under their parents' roof and in their own way, you know, the things that they're hearing from people are going to form them and shape them. And so we want the voice of Jesus to be the loudest voice they're hearing, right? Mm, so like, yeah. they're hearing all these voices. We want the voice of Jesus to be the loudest one they hear so that, you know, as a college student, as a young man or a young woman, they are from the start of trying to live life on their own, trying to live life for Jesus and learn what that's going to look like. So that's why I think it's so important because I feel like it's going to, you know, potentially, it's not a guarantee, but it has the potential to set the trajectory for the rest of your life. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I think my life is a proof of that because I, I tell people all the time without 28, I don't know how my four years in college would have gone. So that foundation, and like you were saying, that set the trajectory and set the tone for how those next four years would go. And I like what you said with you want Jesus's voice to be the loudest voice because we live in a world now where there's so many things trying to drag you in different directions. You know, you have social media, which is really big now. You obviously have television, you have movies. um, But the voice of Jesus should definitely be the loudest voice. And, you know, in what ways would you say that you and M28 as a whole and I, I keep mentioning M28. We're going to get to that, okay? But in, in what ways would you say that you and M28 as a whole have kind of tried to be that voice, be that mouthpiece of Jesus? Yeah, I mean, in simple ways, I think it's just trying to meet students, like get out on campus and meet students, and then through other students bring more students in. Yeah. But then it's just like it's getting to know people and having conversations with them and, really trying to listen 
to hear what they believe, what they think, uh, how they view the world. And, you know, in as much as their beliefs and how they're viewing the world seems to be off from what Scripture says or from what Jesus teaches, like we just want to speak the truth in love, mm-hmm. not arrogantly, but like just lovingly correct people and bring them to see the beauty of who Jesus is. Uh, and so we do that in a lot of different ways. I mean, whether it's preaching or just one-on-one conversations or teaching context or all kinds of things. So I'd mm-hmm. say that's how we do it. Yeah. All right. So now I now we get to what I named this episode because I told you before we started, you know, I usually don't reveal the name of the episode. I just like to get my guests first reaction or first, you know, what they think about the name of the episode. So the name of this episode is called Jesus, his church and his mission. (laughs) It's so fitting. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when I say that, you know, what, what instantly comes to mind when I say those three things? I mean, M28 comes to mind. Definitely. Yep. Uh, That's That's what I was wanting. Tagline and core values. Um, but I think, honestly, like, a lot of people come to mind. Um, being formed and shaped as a student in M28 comes to mind. Yep. Um, you know, just, like, having those values instilled in me and see them instilled in so many other people and how that affects and changes people's lives for the better, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot a lot comes to mind, but that's good. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, so just for the, for the viewers, we keep mentioning M28 – if you could, could you just kind of give a description of what M28 is and the values and the goals and, you know, kind of how that is prevalent or how that's working on UNCC's campus? Yeah. Yeah, so um, M28 is a campus ministry. Um, it's really an outreach ministry from yeah. Crossway Community Church in Huntersville. Um, so they founded M28 back in 2001 on UNCC's campus, and essentially we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ at UNC Charlotte through proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel. So that's kind of like what we are and and, and what we do. Um, yeah, and what, what else did you want to know about M28? Just some of the, I guess, some of the work that, mm-hmm. and I guess some of the goals that y'all have specifically for UNCC's campus. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of like I already said, we want the beauty of Jesus to be made known. Yep. Uh, I mean, UNCC is a big campus. There's about 30,000 students. I don't know. This is not – you'd have to fact check me on this. But I would wager that only 5 to 10% of those students know Jesus, mm-hmm. if, if 10. 10 might be a bit, bit more than is actually true. But 5 to 10% maybe know Jesus. And so there's a lot of opportunity there for people to come to know Jesus. And so – we just try to get out on campus fairly regularly and meet students, uh, just get out there and share the gospel. So we've been doing this thing uh, called Go Teams, which uh, back in your day in M28, they're a little different than what we do now. But yeah. get out there with a whiteboard, and we'll just write a question on the board, like, who is Jesus? And we'll have some options for people, and they'll come up and, like, put a tally mark. And we just get the opportunity to talk to people about Jesus and, like, meet people and hear them hear them out and what they believe and that kind of stuff. And you know, we have, like, small groups that gather together to practice following Jesus together throughout the week. We call those community groups, and we have our, our infamous big meetings, which, you yeah. know, so uh, <laughs> on a weekly basis getting together for preaching and fellowship and events throughout the year, which are primarily designed to just meet people. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to meet people where they're at. I mean, just like Jesus came to us where we were, 
right? Yeah. And that us where we were at. We want to practice that in ministry by just meeting people where they're at on the campus, mm-hmm. um, trying to get to know them and bring them in so they can hear about Jesus and, and also see Jesus because Jesus is at work in the students' lives in M28. And although none of us are a perfect representation of him, I think it's obvious that his spirit's at work and people get to see that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that you just said that, that stuck with me uh, is where you were saying one of the goals is to meet people where they're at. And I'm glad you said that because – you know, it makes me think of grace, mm-hmm. right? And there was a, t- a bunch of different various forms of grace, uh, like the Bible says, but the one that I was thinking about just now was, and and this is this was, I think, from some commentary mm-hmm. or article, but one of the forms of grace that it stated was enablement. And what that meant was, you know, God finds us or God picks us up where we're at mm-hmm. and then takes us where he has for us to go. And, you know, with M28, that's definitely something that I've seen. You know, even when I first came, um, I, I, was, I was born into the church. I was always, you know, the typical Christian kid, grew up in the church, Christian parents. Dad was a, a dad, still is a deacon. And so I had like that foundation, but I would still say in a way I was kind of lost because I was a very prideful person. Um, I played sports in high school. And I shared this one time in big meeting as well. You know, I played sports in high school. You know, everybody, you know, I was like the dude, you know. And so I was at an all-time high in high school. And then once I got into M28 and just saw how it it humbled me, because I saw everybody that was my age, people that are in the same atmosphere as me, just devoting their lives to the Lord and, you know, some people even down on their knees and praising God. And something that I heard was, um, you know, the highest place on earth is at the feet of Jesus and just seeing everybody in M28 college students where, like you were saying, there's so many voices that could pull you in so many different directions, seeing everybody in that room, just at the feet of Jesus and just seeing him picking them up where they're at and pulling them up, you know, and the development I've seen from some of my friends that I've made in M28 is just amazing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you are now the director of M28 Mm -hmm. and that is actually a recent development. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to ask you first, how has that been going? And then also, how have you seen Jesus working through all of the students that have come through since at, since you've become the director yeah. of M28? Yeah, so it is a recent development. I mean, I just became the director back in May. And I think, how's it going? It's going well. Um, I recently had the opportunity to just kind of reflect because, you know, we've gone through first semester. We just this week started second semester. That's so right. School yeah. just started back up and we're just back on campus. So it was your uh, first semester as full-time director? Yeah, so I just oh, finished okay. the first semester as the director and the, I think the couple things that come to my mind most importantly is sustaining grace. It's just, um, you know, Mary, my wife, and I, you know, we're in this together and she's a teacher so she's got a lot going on there. Yeah. But like, I think this being her second semester teaching, my first semester as the director, a lot of new stuff where we just finished our first year of marriage. So like we just started, we're just starting our second year of marriage, a lot of new and yet like leading this ministry, I don't think we ever felt like 
we were hanging on for dear life this semester, just trying to make it through. Yeah. Like I think that in many ways, um, were there difficult parts? Absolutely. Um, but I think God just really sustained us. He kept bringing people. Um, he, he directed us, right? Like I may be the director of M28, but he was directing me. He was directing the staff team. He was guiding and leading us in the way that we should go so that we could meet students where they were at, um, deal with the, you know, discipleship issues that they were facing. And I don't know, like it, it, it was fun. Uh, so it was, it was a good semester and, mm-hmm. you know, how do I see, well, I guess one other thing too is, and this is kind of goes to your question of how do I see Jesus working through the students, um, students stepping up, man, like I've yes. just felt their support. Um, yep. with this being my first year as the director, I've, I, I think I entered it. I mean, I'm still prideful. Um, <laughs> but I think I entered it even, you know, several months ago, even more prideful mm-hmm. thinking like, yeah, like I got this, like. Yeah. You know, like I'm gifted, I can do this. And just like taking a step back and seeing how much other people are actually coming through, right? Like how much other people are laying aside their preferences and agendas and, and setting aside and sacrificing their time, mm-hmm. their energy, like all the things that they could be doing as a college student, you know, like they can do anything they want, really. Yeah. And yet they're serving, they're stepping up, they're leading. You know, they're, they're helping with things from setting up big meetings and events to leading community groups to all kinds of stuff. I mean, in so many ways, it's the students that are that are making M28 happen mm-hmm. uh, or God through the students, however you want to say it. But, yeah, those students are stepping up. And, like, I'm just incredibly – I'm much more thankful for them than I was before. And I praise God for that because it was, it was wrong for me to not have more gratitude. And I only want to grow in my gratitude for them because mm-hmm. they really are helping make it happen. And so I think I see Jesus in them as they work in, in serving. I think also as we've been out on campus, taking steps of faith to just share the gospel, like seeing some of these students do that, like just doing it is a huge step of faith to go out there and be like, look, by being here, holding this whiteboard that has this stuff on it and having these conversations, I am publicly declaring that I'm a follower of Jesus, right? And so everybody around you gets to see that on a secular campus. Yep. And then actually, you know, having the faith in Jesus to then have difficult conversations with people, honest conversations. But, man, that's honestly one of the, one of the things that I enjoyed most about this past semester was just getting to be out there on campus talking with people about Jesus we had some really good conversations with people. So that was that was a blast and definitely saw Jesus at work through the students in that way. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I think that's definitely, for one, that's one of the biggest characteristics of true leadership, which is, you know, praising others. Even though you have the title of as as the director, you know, just, you know, the fact that you're, you know, praising the um, praising the students for the work that they're doing and, you know, celebrating them and celebrating Jesus and the work that he's doing through them and you know, helping them step up. That's an amazing thing. And another thing, and I've talked about this, you know, more recently, um, you know, we usually meet Sunday mornings in here. There's a co-ed group that meets here before the service every Sunday morning. And I forget what the scenario was but it put on my mind that God is like an override button and the reason I say that is because a lot of the students and I'm sure 
a lot of the students in M28, a lot of the people in M28, they're outgoing, they're charismatic, they love talking to people. But I'm sure that there's some people that were like me that were more kind of laid back, kind of just chill, kind of afraid to go up to someone and start talking about Jesus. But when you fully commit and devote to him, it's like an override button. It's like you can't contain it. You know what I mean? And that excitement that comes out, that's something that I've seen in a lot of people. And like you were saying, I'm sure that's something that you've seen in a lot of people too. And, you know, even when I told you that I, I welcome and sometimes close the service every Sunday. And if you had asked me 10 years ago, no shot, no way anybody or not anybody, but no way I could have seen myself doing that. And now, you know, sometimes when I feel the Holy Spirit just come over me, I, I can't stop. And I'm sure some people, they, uh, they enjoy it. Some people probably want to get lunch, but I, I can't stop, you know, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> but yeah, man. So just fully devoting and committing to Jesus will definitely get you where you need to be. And so when I first met you, you know, even though you're the, the, the director now, when I met you, you were still kind of had, you were still on the way to becoming the director. So I'm curious, you know, about who Sam is before M28, before I met you, before all of that. So if you could give a brief I guess, story of how you became the man that you are. Oh, man. Um, I know it's a packed and a loaded question. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. When did we meet? We met we in met probably 2018, summer 20, of 2018. Summer of 2018, so right yeah. after I had graduated college and uh, I was about to. I was interning then. Okay, That's right, before yeah. Before M28. Um, yeah, I guess I, I got to go pretty far back for that. Because I wasn't, I was I had just become a Christian not long before I went into M twenty eight. That's right, yeah. Um, so I kind of got to tell a little bit about how I became a Christian. Um, so, like you, I grew up in the church. Um, my dad is actually a pastor. He was a pastor my whole life. He still is a pastor. And so I grew up going to church, um, very involved and the churches that I was, that we were part of moved around several times as a kid, but, um, yeah, very involved in church. And I, I was thinking a little bit about this on the way over here, just as a young, as a kid, um, in like elementary school and everything, I was just like, I loved to be, uh, liked by people in authority. So like teachers or parents or whatever. So I was a pretty good kid in that respect. Like I, I obeyed the rules and I did, well in school and like all of that. Yeah. Um, I think in middle school is when I would definitely say things took a little bit of a turn. And what I mean by that is I think I started to live somewhat of a double life and in middle school, that's where that started. Um, Cause like, you know, here I am a pastor's kid, you know, and all the expectations that pastor's kids have. And, um, you know, I'm going to church, going to, like, youth group or whatever and all that and doing all the Jesus stuff there. And then, you know, by middle school, I just, like, developed a lot of really sinful patterns, um, whether it be just incredibly foul-mouthed or the kinds of jokes that I would make with friends and participate in and, uh, you know, like, addicted to pornography by the time I was in, like, the seventh grade. Uh, and then in high school, um, you know, started drinking and, and 
smoking weed occasionally and, um, you know, like sex and like all that stuff. And all of that, I somehow, for the most part, managed to keep hidden from my parents, from the people I went to church with. So, you know, I was like going to like youth retreats and like going to Sunday school and like even at those retreats, like, you know, and some to some extent like singing and, you know, praising God and but then and and that's what I was seen by like my parents and other people, but then like over here on the side, like just engaged in a lot of worldly sinful behaviors. Um and I came to college and the freedom that college provided was was helpful in some ways. So I didn't have to live a double life anymore. Mm. And yeah. Because I was away from my parents. I was away from my community from back home. Yeah. And I think what happened is I basically revealed the real me and started just living, you know, basically from I mean, I was living for myself the whole time, but now more openly. So yeah. Like like I would work my butt off during the week to do well in school because I wanted a good job that made a decent amount of money so that I could be comfortable, you know, the American dream, whatever. And then on the weekends, it was just like hitting the, uh, you know, the the blow off steam valve, you know, just like party. Uh, like we we just, you know, me and my roommates at that time and friends, we just drank a lot and all that kind of stuff. Um, very much just living life for myself. That was my freshman year of college. That was the first part of my sophomore year of college. And then my sophomore year of college, everything changed. Like Jesus stopped me in my tracks. So, and it, and it has to, and the crazy thing is, and I've reflected on this is that he's so gracious because he met me literally in the middle of my sin. Mm-hmm. It was, it was one night and I don't say this to in any way highlight the sin. I want to highlight his grace. Yeah. It was one night I was hanging out with friends, like a typical weekend. We were drinking, uh, we were smoking weed and just like for some reason that night, it's not like it was my first time or anything, you know, it's something I was used to. And for some reason that night I had what in hindsight can only be explained, I think is like a drug induced panic attack. And it was terrifying. So like, I just felt like, man, I am dying and I'm going to hell. That's what I felt like that night. I felt like I was dying and it was terrifying. And I just remember I got down on my knees at some point during that night and I was like, God, like, please, like, spare me, and I'll live my life for you. Just spare me. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to basically make a deal with God. Yeah. Like, like I had some kind of leverage or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I woke up the next morning alive and well, very shaken up by it. Um, and I ignored what I had said to God and kept trying to live life for myself, uh-huh. but I couldn't anymore. What happened yeah. was... Um, what happened was I started really, I think it was because I wrestled with my own mortality, like the fact that I could die. That is what became real to me that night. Mm-hmm. And because that became real to me, I started thinking about judgment and that I deserved it, right? And so here I am wrestling with the fact, as like a 19-year-old or whatever, like wrestling with the fact that I deserve judgment from God. I'm a sinner. And I think it was the first time in my life that I really believed that I was a sinner and that I deserved judgment. And so I wrestled with that, and I was having a lot. This was the beginning. I don't know how much you know about this, but I've struggled with anxiety for a while, and that was kind of the beginning of that. That's where it started. I was struggling with a lot of anxiety and depression at that time and wrestling with the idea of judgment, and I remember my mom 
just encouraging me to get in the word. I didn't even have a Bible at that time. Like I had to go home and get the Bible and like, yeah. and bring it back to school with me. And I started reading and I was just reading the Bible, looking for answers, basically like, I don't want to face judgment. I don't want to face judgment. I mean, the answer's right in front of me the whole time, but I just couldn't see it. Yeah. I, I couldn't see it my whole life, apparently. And then one day I was just reading something. I don't even remember. I know I was reading in the Gospels. I don't remember what it was, but I just remember it was like the scales fell off my eyes, like that happened to, to Saul and uh, Paul in, in yeah. Acts. Like the scale fell off my eyes. It was just like the Spirit opened my eyes, and I finally saw Jesus. And it was just like, you've been looking for me. Right, like mm-hmm. you or more, I've been looking for you. Right, like I've been pursuing you. Um, he allowed me to feel the weight of judgment for a little bit, mm-hmm. to wrestle with that, so that whenever this man, the Spirit, he just opened my eyes to see the beauty of Jesus. It's like, yes, you do deserve judgment, but I took that judgment. Right, like I took it for you, um, and in that moment, God saved me. Right, I had wow. considered myself a Christian my whole life. That was just not true. I didn't know him. I didn't know him my whole life. I, you know, on one hand would say I was a Christian, and then I was just living my life for myself. I didn't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a cultural Christian. I was just in, a Christian in name only, but I did not know Jesus. And in that moment, I came to know Jesus, and He saved me. Um, and my life changed at that point. Uh, and that happened over Christmas break, in between semesters of my sophomore year. So I, I came to know Jesus. You know at home over a break and then I come back and I'm living with guys who I love these guys to this day but they're not followers of Jesus mm-hmm. and you know I, I used to live a life of sin uh, with them and that was just normal for us and I get back and they're ready to you know start partying again and I'm like no nah, I can't do that anymore and so from the beginning like of my new life in Christ I was forced to evangelize to like tell people about Jesus because I got these guys living with me, and they're like, what happened? Like, why can't you, what are you talking about? Yeah. You can't do that anymore. What is that about? And so I'm having to tell, I'm telling them about Jesus, and I was just hungry for the word, and I was in the word all the time. I remember at first I was uh, honestly kind of ashamed. Uh, Like, I didn't want them to see me, like, reading the Bible, but gradually, and it's silly now that I think about (laughs) it, but gradually I'd let my door stay more and more open so that they could see me reading the Bible because I was taking a stance of, like, yes, I'm unashamed to be following him, and so kept reading the Bible, and I was just, I wanted to know more and more and more. But I began to realize I can't do this alone. And that was so gracious of God for me to realize that early on, um, for him to bring that to my heart and mind early on, because I couldn't have kept just trying to follow Jesus without having other Christians in my life. Mm, and I yes. I just prayed about it, and I prayed, after I prayed about it, it was like, I feel like it was the next day, I don't remember, but I feel like it was like the next day I came out of the gym and M28 had a tent there, giving out hot chocolate. I was like, what's up? Uh, you know Lisa DeCoste, Lisa Friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lisa Friend. So, yeah, she was the first person I talked to. I talked to her. Uh, she told me about big meeting. I went to a big meeting. And, yeah, like, I've cha- I've grown a lot since then. I don't want to keep rambling. Not but good, that, that is how I got to, to, you know, to know Jesus, he pursued me, he met me in the middle of my sin, even used my sin to stop me in my tracks, then met me graciously and saved me, gave me a hunger for the word, gave me a desire for his people, to be with his people, led me to M28, which led me to Crossway, which is M28 Sending Church, the church I'm now a part of and even on staff with. And um, Yeah, that's how I got there. And then since then, man, like I've grown a ton. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's who I was and how I became to some extent the man that I am. And I have to think, you know, I think my parents and, you know, like John Shea and yep, yep. other pastors on staff at Crossway who, you know, who loved me and were patient with me and put up with my immaturities and discipled me. And yeah, I am not who I, I am. When you ask me how am I the man that I am today, the scripture that comes to my mind is, I don't even remember the exact reference, but it's when Paul says, uh, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Yeah. Right. Like, yes, yes, there are there are explanations of like, yeah, like I came across this text or this person said this or they discipled me in these ways or I found this ministry or whatever. But all of that was because God was graciously guiding me and leading me and putting things on my heart and my mind and opening up the scriptures to me. So by the grace of God, I am what I am. Wow. that that's That's awesome, man. There were so many like people in the Bible that, I can just relate to your story like Paul or Saul becoming Paul with the kind of like when you were saying you had the panic attack that's sort of like the light on the road to Damascus, you know, and then you talking about you slightly leaving your door open gradually reminds me of Daniel and, you know, him just getting down at his knees and praying at his window every day, not caring who's looking and, you know, in a way, obviously he's not doing it in a prideful way, but he just wants to show that God is number one in his life and by someone seeing that it could help them. And, you know, that's kind of like what this podcast is about, too, by hearing these stories and hearing these testimonies. And there may be somebody that is on this has the same has the same story like you, like the same origin story. You know, they're in school kind of living a double life. They they kind of they've heard about Jesus but like you said at the beginning, he's not currently the loudest voice in their head. They're blocking him and drowning him out with all of these other voices. But just hearing about how Jesus used you and Jesus, you know, like he did with Jeremiah, he chose you before mm. you were even in the womb mm. and led you to where you are now. I think that is like that's just amazing. And I think that's going to that's definitely going to help somebody. It's already helped people. I mean, look at me. It's already helped me, you know, and. You know, just hearing that, man, that that's so awesome because it that's why I love testimony so much, because it, it's just it's a place where you can just be vulnerable and you can just tell people, you know, even though I was in a state of shame, even though I was doing this and that, you know, God picked me up where I'm at, showed me grace and has brought me to the person that's standing in front of you now and you know, even though we may not always see the impact of that, you know, there's people listening now that I'm probably never going to meet, but just having that faith that God is going to use it and have, and just lead them to the realization that God has grace on them too. And that this is something that they can reach to. They can have a relationship with God as well. I, I think that's an awesome thing, man. And, you know, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for, you know, just being who you are, um, when you first got into M28 in that first big meeting, did you ever, or even before then too, did you ever imagine that you were going to have a position of leadership in the kingdom of God? Um, no. Uh, well, definitely not like a pastoral position, like a position like I'm in right now. Yeah. Like maybe like leading some Bible studies and stuff, sure, but... Yeah, no, I, 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 it was not in 
the plans for me to become a pastor. Like, that was the furthest thing away in my mind. When I became a Christian, like, yes, like, God changed my life quickly. Um, and then since then has been changing my life yeah. in powerful ways very gradually. Um, but, like, my plan was, hey, I'm here getting my degree in accounting. And <laughs> so now I'm just going to be an accountant to the glory of God, which is great. Like, you know, like, God uses accountants for his glory, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, but I think in that there was still this unwillingness to let go of my plans, right? This like, because like what I really wanted was to make decent money um, and to have the security of that. And that's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but that was not God's plan for me. Mm-hmm. And so, no, I, I didn't, I didn't plan for that. Um, he, he drastically changed my plans in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm the reason I, Ask that is because something that I heard, I don't know if you know, do you know, have you heard Miles Monroe? He's a, he's, he's a, he's not with us anymore. He passed, but he was like a very well-renowned pastor. I think a lot of people would more so call him a teacher because the way he was just able to break down scripture and share it in a way that was understandable. Someone that someone could understand it all the way from a toddler to someone who's a hundred years old. So, you know, the way he was able to break down scripture, he's helped me a lot listening to his sermons and, you know, diving into scripture and getting more understanding of the Bible. But one thing I heard him say recently on one of his sermons that I listened to, um, he was talking about, there's a difference between a job and your work. And pretty much how he broke it down was a job is what you get paid to do, but your work is what you were purposed to do. Mm. And, you know, I think with you, God revealed your work. God revealed what he, and there, I don't, I forget if that, what verse it is, but um, there's a verse, he was, it was the same video, Miles Monroe, the same one, and he was talking about God often reveals the end at the beginning, um, but he doesn't reveal what's in between. So Joseph, for example, if God showed Joseph through the dream, all of these people are going to be bowing down to you, right? Your brothers are going to be bowing down to you. But God didn't necessarily tell him the path that he was going to take to get there. He didn't tell him he was going to get uh, abused by his brothers. He didn't tell him he was going to get thrown in a pit. He didn't tell him he was (laughs) going to get thrown in prison. He didn't tell him he was going to get um, seduced or tempted by uh, Potiphar's wife. Mm -hmm. So if God had told him those at the beginning, Joseph may have been like, Uh, I'm good right here with this coat of many colors but you know by God revealing the end at the beginning and going through all of that Joseph was and I'm sure Joseph was able to look back and be like wow you know that all led me to where I am and God used that for the specific reason to save my people and you know be the person who is going to make this plan that was not going to let Egypt, the most powerful civilization at the time, fall because of this, um, what's it called, a drought? That's the word? Mm-hmm. Drought. Uh, famine. <laughs> famine. Yeah, famine. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with you, when you see where you're at now and then you look back at all of that and you can just kind of reminisce and all of that, when did it... Have you, have you, I guess, have you really had a time to just sit down and look at the path that God has carried you on and 
just been thankful to him and just, you know, get down on your knees and just say, thank you, God, for all of that, even though it was ups and downs. Thank you for all of that. Have you had a time where you just sat down and you were just thankful to him? Yeah, I I definitely have. I mean, um, I think recently more so than ever, but I mean, just like how, how the heck did I get here, man? Like, I'm so thankful that I'm where I'm at, that I am the man that I am, and that I'm, you know, bound to be with him for all of eternity. I'm so different than who I was when I started college, like drastically different. I'm very different than I was when I first came to know Jesus, and I'm sure I'm going to look back five and ten years from now and be like, man, I'm so different than I was when I was doing that podcast, Um, (laughs) and it's the grace of God. That, yeah, like, man. he is mm-hmm. changing me uh, to the praise of his glory, making me more like Jesus. Yep. And, like, if you had asked anybody that I went to high school with or, like, any of my teachers, like, is, is what do you think? You think Sam's going to be, like, a pastor when he grows up? Or, you know, like, you think he's going to be, like, following the Lord? Like, nobody would say, like, oh, yeah, like, that's, that's I see that for Sam. Like, that's what's going to happen. Absolutely not. I, I, I don't think so, at least. I don't think anybody would have would have said that who knew me well, yeah. at least. And yet this is where I am. And it's not right. just because one day I woke up and I'm like, I think I think that's that's what I want to do, you know, or I think that'd be a good thing to do. No, it's because God overhauled my life and turned my world upside down, mm-hmm. right? And, and I yeah, I praise him for that. I praise him for the fact that, man, like, even after becoming a believer, I was so foolish when it came to like dating and stuff. And like, I was so impatient. I just wanted to be married. And, you know, like I was watching all my friends graduate and get married and I wanted that. And, you know, I was thankful for, I was just happy for them, but I wanted that. And, you know, I made foolish decisions and I, and I did things that hurt people. And yet, like, even despite all that foolishness, like God's grace in leading me to marry the woman that I'm with now. And the fact that she is just the most amazing woman that I could imagine being married to it's like i don't deserve that (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. i don't merit that Mm -hmm. but he gave it to me graciously it's insane it's just crazy yeah man and you know i'll I'll get to marry and your marriage in a second and you know how you've navigated that and how god has helped and carry you through that but just to go back a little bit um when you were when you were going when god was guiding you through that path to revealing himself to you and things like that um would you would you say that I guess or I'll say it from my perspective so for me um or I'll ask you so did anybody ever I know you were saying um if you were to ask people from high school nobody would have ever you know thought that you would be in the position you are now and in the kingdom of God, like you are now, um, did anybody ever really doubt you? Like, did anybody ever like openly, like, I don't think you'll do it. Hmm. Like once I became a believer and like, just like came to the, you know, conviction that God was calling me to that. Did anyone ever doubt me? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Not openly to me, at least. I don't think. No, actually I've had, you know, like ever since like, out loud confessing, which took a while for me to do, confessing that I thought God was calling me into full-time Christian ministry. Yeah. And the reason that took a while to confess was because I knew that once I said it out loud, it became real. Um, Yeah. Like, actually had to deal with it. Um, 
I, I don't think I've received anything but support from people. So whether okay. it's like family and friends and like my church uh, back home and the people from there or whether it's Crossway and the people there and particularly the pastors, the elders there, or people in M28, like I've received a lot of affirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, you know, there was a time when that was the only thing that kept me going. Yeah. Because, you know, even after thinking, you know, like maybe I should go into ministry, I think that's what God's calling me to, like, when I think when I think about it, when I first thought about it, I thought, yeah, that would be awesome, you know. Like once I agreed that, you know, I wanted to do it, mm-hmm. um, I very quickly became excited about it, and I was like, oh yeah, that's going to be cool. Like, but I think it lost its its luster and it shined very quickly when you start people's sin is it like in your face and they're suffering and all of mm-hmm. that, and you're just in the trenches. Yeah, and I think I was like, man, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Like, I don't know yeah. if I can. But it was people telling me like, Sam. God has given you certain gifts, and you need to steward them, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, all right. <laughs> you know, I trust that God is speaking to me through those people, mm-hmm. right? They're my brothers or sisters. He dwells in them by his spirit, and he wants me to hear that from them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to listen, you know? And and now, yes, I am thrilled to be where I'm at. But, yeah, no, not, not I mean, I'm sure people doubted me, but nobody openly told me Yeah. That. And the, the reason I, I got excited just now because that that's sort of where I was getting at. Um, a verse that has really kind of been a staple for me in recent uh, few weeks and months. Uh, I can never remember the exact scripture, but I can remember like what it's what the scripture says. I can't remember like, oh, if it's like Thessalonians or Psalms, but I can remember what it says. And there was this verse. It says, um, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as steward, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That's what it says. I hate that I can't remember exactly first, what... I think it's First Peter 4. Um, yeah, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah. somewhere it's in, in First Peter, I think. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, and when you were talking about how people were kind of just talking to you and saying you have so many gifts, that's something that I always tell people, especially my brothers, um... Because with myself, the reason I asked, did anyone ever doubt you is because nobody ever doubted me either. I was, I don't think anybody, at least openly to my face. Yeah, yeah. And I never even felt that people were doubting me behind my back either because I, f- I feel like I've always, I've always kind of, I hate using this word, but I always prided myself on my ability to just accept everybody. You know, even in high school, there were cliques, people that had certain groups but I tried to make it a point to talk to everybody, be nice to everybody. Even if some of my friends were, you know, picking at somebody, yeah. I, I never really kind of joined in yeah. that. Um, some Sometimes I admit I would chuckle, I would laugh and, you know, probably say something. But for the, <laughs> for, for the most part, I tried to make sure to be nice to everybody. And nobody ever really doubted me. And even when I started getting into ministry and God was, you know, revealing the work that he had for me to do, Nobody ever doubted me with this podcast. Nobody doubted me with emceeing. Nobody doubted me with, um, you know, even when we went to Anthem, you know, and you had and you asked me to be one of the leaders for the teams. You know, it wasn't just about the entertainment. It was about actually being able to share the gospel with people, even if they already knew it, but just being someone that they could look up to and, you know, just hear the words of God speaking through me Mm -hmm. and 
no one's ever really doubted me. And so I gave a little mini testimony at big meeting a while ago in M28. And uh, you had asked me to do it. I think this was my sophomore year. And one, one thing that I said at the end was, you know, when I look back in my life and see everything and see all the things that God had brought me through, I was kind of the same way as you. I had like a dual personality, but I always kind of, I always, what I'm doing now, that's something that I always felt. That's something that I always wanted to do, you know, to serve. Um, Sometimes I used to want to do it through sports because I wanted to make it to the NFL or NBA and be able to provide. It was never really about being famous. It was more so about being in a position where I could provide and share, you know, what God has placed on my heart to share in on that platform. Um, But yeah, it was it was mainly that's something that's always been there. But I kind of just hit it. Not because not because I didn't not because I didn't want to share it, but because I was just afraid. I didn't really talk much. Something that people, J- Jacob mainly, he'll he'll always say like, you know, there was a point where some people didn't even know what my voice sounded like. Some people <laughs> thought I couldn't even talk. You know, that was something that I, you know, kept down. But I was always good at everything else. I was always good at sports. I was always, I was good at piano instantly. You know, I was just a talented kid. But the one thing that I hid down was my voice. And then through all of that, God eventually led me to the realization that my voice was my greatest gift, something that I was constantly running from. And it was kind of, it's kind of like Jonah running from God. You can't, you can only run from God for so long before he sends a storm. And something I heard Billy Graham say, you know, when you try to run from God, run away from God, the enemy, the devil is always going to have a boat waiting for you. And you're always going to somehow have the money to be able to pay for it. Mm. And I was like, man, that's, that's amazing. I'm I'm, going to write that down. But (laughs) yeah, long story short to just get to where I was getting at something that I, when I was giving my little mini testimony in M28, that big meeting that week, the thing I said, and I heard this on a show, so I don't take credit for it, but what God has led me to realize is that that voice, my voice, that I was pushing down, it was always there. So when I look at the path that God has taken me on, I don't look at it as God changing me, but he was just peeling away and revealing who I've always been, which is the man I am now. And so that's why I was asking, has anyone ever doubted you? Because no one ever doubted me, but just hearing their support and their words of encouragement that they give me weekly, that's helped me to just, I guess, steer that gift that God has given me in a way. Um, but yeah, man, I thank you for, for sharing that, bro. It's like, I I just feel the Holy spirit hitting me right now, bro. It's amazing. It's, it's crazy. Praise God. That's all. But, um, getting back to the point that you were talking about with your wife, Mary, Mm -hmm. and you said you actually just had your, um, anniversary, your one year anniversary. So how has, that year been and how have you seen God just working you in that and challenging y'all both? Mm-hmm. The year was great. Um, it's good. Yeah, it Amen. was great. It was great. It was uh, a learning experience, but it was fun. Uh, I, I've enjoyed, I enjoy being with her far more than I enjoyed <laughs> being without her. That makes sense. Um, but, but yeah, I, I mean like, we have a lot of fun together. I feel like we we love just spending time together. 
and it's awesome. We pursue Jesus together. We mm. we want to, you know, center our marriage on Christ and have our marriage reflect the gospel to people. Yep. Um, I think I've learned how selfish I am. More so, like I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot more for me to learn, but even in this first year of marriage, just seeing how selfish I am, like it's it's more obvious. I feel like when you're one with someone and like you're in such close quarters with them uh, and, and your whole life is to be to put them above yourself and you don't want to because mm-hmm. you're selfish. And uh, that's just been revealed to me of how selfish I am and, and how intentional you have to be um, about actually uh, living in the good of the unity that you have with your spouse. Mm-hmm. So like, yes, you are one um, because God has joined the two of you together. Yep. But to experience the good of that unity and to live in the good of that unity, you got to work. Yeah, yep. And I just, I guess, I assume you could just drift through it, you know. And it's like, no, you can't. You have to. You have to learn, you know. And so, like, I've had found a lot of joy, and I do not do this perfectly by any means. Um, But I found a lot of joy now in like just trying to learn more about Mary, right? Like, just trying to listen more. Um, and hear like, oh yeah, she likes that, or she doesn't like that, or whatever. Or this makes her, you know, feel loved or whatever. And like uh, taking note of that, and like so that I can try to, you know, love her in those ways and really live out our unity. And then also, the hardest thing for me, I would say, um, probably the hardest thing for us in our first year of marriage, has been trying to l- learn how to be one in the struggles, um, to like actually let each other in to the struggles and the hardships and the sufferings um, to really share that and and not try to just bear it on your own. Because I think in arrogance, I assume, well, I'm just going to try to shield her from this and I'll just deal with it. But the reality of it is, is that that's me trying to shield her from something that she, I I guess because God has deemed it necessary for my life. Mm -hmm. He's also deemed it necessary for her life because we're one. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so like, she needs that to grow, to become more like Jesus. And who am I to like try to shield her from that as if, and it's arrogant to assume that she doesn't want to bear the burden, but there's a lot of joy to be found in just that unity. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of strength there and stability there. And yeah, there's so much that I've learned already in the first year of marriage. And I'm not saying I'm an expert by any means, (laughs) uh, but like, I'm just learning a lot already. And it's exciting to think about like, man, if I've learned this much and um, have enjoyed marriage this much already. Like I'm, you know, excited to see what ten years from now, twenty years from now, our marriage is going to look like. And by God's grace, we're going to be more and more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, that a word you just u- a word you used found. Um, you say a lot of joy can be found in unity, and that word that you just said stuck with me because. And obviously I have, you, you know, more than I'm not married. So, you know, more than me, I'm not married. (laughs) (laughs) Not, but so you, you, (laughs) that's good. So you obviously know more than me. Um, but that word found, I, I feel that, you know, when you are led to the right person for you, you find out so much more about yourself. And you were talking about, you know, just loving her. And I'm sure that you've loved her in ways that you didn't even know could even come out of you. And, you know, that humility, that unselfishness that, you know, okay, uh, you know, 
letting her, you know, don't not assuming that she isn't able to carry the burden or things that you mm-hmm. were saying. And, you know, it would you would you say that? I guess something that I heard was. And I'm this is like I think this is a biblical truth as well. You know, when a ma- the Bible obviously says when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Um, but I also think that when a man finds a wife, it's sort of like him reaching a level of his potential that he didn't even know was there. Would you think, would you say that's fair to say? I think it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it depends, you know? And so, yeah, I think it could be, but it depends on how you, how intentional and you are about actually living in the good of that marriage. That's right? right. Yeah. Um, and I think another thing that comes to my mind as you talk about, you know, hearing me say the word found, I think finding it means it's something you actually got to seek, you know? Mm, yes. It's like, it's not just like you can't, and like I said a minute ago, you can't just drift into it. Yeah. Like you got to work. Mm. Um, you got you to pursue Christ-likeness. Like you're not just going to drift into Christ-likeness, yeah. which is where true joy is found. You're not going to just drift into selflessness and yeah. sacrificial love. Like that, those are things that you have to be intentional about. You have to be dependent upon God for you have to be seeking him out in order to have those things and so yes like I think that a a man can 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 grow a lot uh, and become more like Christ which is you know the potential that you Mm -hmm. want to achieve you know uh, by his grace if you will work hard Mm. Um, yeah if you will lean into the means of grace that he has given you if you will die to yourself and, and, and again, like, I'm not saying all of that like as like as if I do that well or perfectly. Yeah. Um, ask my wife how well she thinks <laughs> I do. She'll give you a good answer. But I think it's just the reality that like God has given us means of grace. Are we going to grab a hold of them? Mm-hmm. Right? Are we actually going to do that? Um, yeah. And if you'll do that, then I would say, yeah, like I could agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I. I, I totally agree, and that actually puts it in a different perspective for me. Um, something I always tell my brothers is to be prepare yourself before it happens so you'll be ready when it happens. And it's even like the gospel. Um, you know, we're currently in like the ch- the groaning, I don't the groaning of the childbirth phase. I don't I yeah. don't know how the scripture exactly goes. I, I like apologize, that. but something <laughs> like that. And you know, the Bible also tells us that you know, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be like a thief in the night and you can't, you, you're going to have to be ready. You can't, you know, wait until that day comes. And then once he appears, you're like, Oh no, blah, blah, blah. like, you know, so I, I definitely agree. And I think it's the same way in marriage because Christ and the church is a picture or analogy of the mar- how marriage should be right. You know, Christ is going to come with the bride and we're going to live with him forever. And, you know, do the will on in heaven as in on earth as it as it is in heaven. And so I, I definitely agree, you know, obviously you can grow and there's a layer of yourself that you probably will be revealed to you when you get married. But at the same time, you know, the Bible says, you know, he who finds a wife finds a good thing for a reason. It says he who finds a wife. So that means that the woman should be a wife and the husband should be a husband. You know, so it's not even even getting baptized. Right. When you get baptized, that's not necessarily the moment you became a Christian. You became a Christian the moment like you were saying when Jesus revealed himself to you and you confessed that you were 
a sinner. You confessed your sins. Mm. You admitted that you were a sinner, a sinner, and you devoted yourself to him. Mm-hmm. You know, the same thing with marriage. There's the ceremony, and legally speaking, that's when that comes together, when you become that unit. But, you know, you have that has to be something that is there in the both of you before it happens, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, yeah, and I mean it. It, you, it, there's a big analogy here to your relationship with the Lord. It's like, like yes, like at the moment of committing yourselves to one another in a covenant, mm-hmm. you know, you are married. God unites the two of you, the two of you together. Yeah. Um, when you, but he, he unites the two of you together, and so you're you're married from that point forward. Like you are yeah. one. Yeah. Whether you like that or not, <laughs> like you are one. Yeah. But. That doesn't mean you're going to experience the joy and the goodness of that unity. Mm. Just like I belong to Jesus and I will always belong to Jesus. That's right. Nothing can separate me from the love of God for me in Christ Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. That unity was purchased by his blood, by his merit, not anything I do or don't do. Mm -hmm. So I am always in that sense united with Christ and that's a wonderful thing. But that doesn't mean I'm going to always experience the joy and goodness of that unity if I'm, like, neglecting to pursue him, to spend yeah. time with him, to grab a hold of his means of grace. Like, I don't fall away from him. Like, I'm still his. Yeah. But I'm not experiencing the goodness of that unity. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with marriage, right? It's like, yeah, I, I, can, I can still be married, but if I'm, like, neglecting my wife and not being intentional and, like, all those other things, I'm not going to experience the, the goodness of that unity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, it's definitely a constant work, you know, we have to be persistent, and like Paul was talking about, it's it's a race, and if you take, obviously, you know, we're going to falter, we're not perfect, but we shouldn't stop, you know, at the least, even if you fall, even if your legs get broken, crawl, and so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I definitely agree, man, you know, I heard this one guy, and, you know, I know we're getting close to the end here, but, um, I heard that I heard this one guy, his name's Albanier uh, Eugene. He's somebody he's um he's on social media and I watch him a lot and he he likes to dissect scripture and put bring it out and share it in a way that's understandable for anybody of any age, even people that aren't believers. He just uses practical ways to share it. So even if someone may not be a believer, may not have read the Bible, they can still understand what he's talking about. And I heard him on, I heard him one time describe, he, he's not married yet at the time of recording this, but I, I heard him one time say he hasn't found his rib yet. And when he said that, I was like, oh, I, I, I like that because, and I, I tell people that nowadays too. They ask, they ask me like, do you have a girlfriend? You know, who are you talking to? I'm like, I haven't found my rib yet. And I, I like it because it sort of gives away, it sort of, it sort of, I guess, shares the fact that there's a part of you that's missing. I I don't want to say it like that, but pretty much the way he described it is there's a whole nother side of the work that God has for him that the world hasn't seen yet because his rib hasn't come yet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I was just, I was just going to say like, of course, like, it, yeah, like you said, it's not like Part of you is missing in the sense that, like, you don't have to be married exactly to yeah. be to be a Christian to be yeah. to be a whole Christian or a whole human being. Like, you don't have to be married. 
but it is, I mean, it's a wonderful blessing um, that I do believe that, you know, like if you're married, there are going to be ways that you are challenged and grow in ways that maybe an unmarried person might not be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're going to be the same could be said for the unmarried and uh, versus the married. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's a cool picture. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I liked when he said that he, he kind of, sl- he didn't like make it like this big thing. He just kind of slipped it in there, but I was like, Oh, I like that. I'm going to start, I'm going to start using that. So now whenever my family or people ask me, you know, Hey, what's, what's your love life looking like? My life's like, I'm, I don't have my rib yet. So <laughs> I don't, if future wife, if you're listening to this, sorry in advance for calling you a rib, but <laughs> It's 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 uh, it's biblical, all right. <laughs> yeah. But the the last thing I'm gonna ask you and leave you off with, man. You know, now that your God has placed you in this position of leadership within His kingdom, that He has placed you, now that He has provided you with a wife, and I don't want to say provided you with a wife, but now that He's led you and married together. And, you know, you're in that position of leadership, you're a married man, and you have a ton of people that are looking up to you and look to you for for leadership, for encouragement, for, you know, like Paul tells us, imitate me as I imitate Christ and people that are looking up to you for that. And you're doing all of that well. Would you say that? Would you say that? You have completely found yourself. And the reason I ask that is because I think that um, the thing I always tell my brothers is, and this is true for women as well, but my brothers are all males. So I tell them from a male perspective, I tell them the number one, the first step to maturity is taking responsibility. Um, And I think it's the same in spiritual maturity too. The first step in spiritual maturity is taking responsibility. And I tell them as well, one of the most arrogant things you can say is I didn't ask to be a role model because I feel like when someone says that, it's almost as if they're denying blame for the influence that they have on others' lives. And I know that it's not technically someone's fault for someone else's actions, but you know, I tell my brothers this too, you know, why would you make it easier for them to make that choice by your actions? So what I'm getting at here is with you being in a position now where you have so many people that look to you for leadership, for guidance, for growth and all of these things, you know, I guess, how are you navigating all that? What does that look like for you? Would you say that, I guess, how I don't know how how is that looking? How does that look in your life at this point in time? Uh, yeah, I mean it's to kind of get to a little of something that you said as you were asking the question is like no, I don't I don't feel in any way like and you didn't phrase it like this, but I don't feel like I've arrived. You know, yeah. like uh, I was actually doing a book study with some of the guys from Crossway before I came over here and uh, in a base, talking about something completely different. One of them was just like there's. You know, there's not a, a destination. It's not like you just arrive. And yeah. and I think when it comes to becoming the man that God has for me to be, which is to be like Jesus, there is no destination this side of heaven, right? Like True, yes. Like, like I will always be growing, hopefully, by God's grace to become yeah. more like Jesus this side of heaven. And so uh, I don't think I'm ever going to feel this side of heaven that I've arrived. 
But how am I navigating the kingdom position? Yeah, I guess uh, all of the right now? there's with within your marriage, within yeah. the leadership position at M twenty. Yeah. I guess how does how does that balance look for you? Yeah, I'll give you a couple like key things that I think are very important that mm-hmm. I, that, are, that are at least very important for me, and I would. I would go so far as to say that I think they're, they should be important for everybody. But, mm-hmm. I mean, most importantly is just pursuing the Lord. Um, Definitely. Remaining in yep. his word, uh, being honest with him, just like sharing my heart with him, sharing my concerns with him, sharing my joys and my thanksgiving with him, like uh, just pursuing the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, remaining consistent and faithful in that. But that that is also not something that I think that can or should be done only by yourself. Right, there is a time and a place, and a lot of time and place for pursuing God on your own, but you need God's people too, mm-hmm. right? And so, like community, like community is vital. Um, being a member of a local church for me has been so important and such a blessing to have. I have peers there that I get to walk alongside of, and kind of we learn what it looks like to follow Jesus as we go through life together. Yeah. But then I also have, you know, like older men there who have been just absolutely um, just crucial to me being who I am by yeah. God's grace. They've spoken truth into my life time and time again. So just being discipled, uh, being, being someone who is, it's discipling you need, you, I mean, anybody needs to be discipled. Ideally, every Christian should be both, being made a disciple, being discipled, and they should be discipling. They should be a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I would say, you know, pursuing God, being with his people, um, being discipled by his people, loving his people, committing to his people. Um, I think rest is really <laughs> important. Um, yes. We live in a culture that doesn't value rest. We're the the, the grind culture, right? <laughs> that like, we're just going to get things done. And I, so I, I have to have boundaries. Like, yeah, like I have my Saturdays are like, because I often have to work on Sundays that Saturdays, like that's the day that I'm not working, man. And so like, unless it's a, an extreme circumstance, it's like Saturday is, that is rest day. Like mm-hmm. it is me and Mary spending time with the Lord, um, spending time in creation, enjoying one another, enjoying our friends and family, like we're not working because we can, because I believe, and I believe and anybody who's listening to this, if you, if I know that we don't live in a culture that values rest. And so I think this is really important that rest is a very real, very practical way where you can just sh- show your trust in God that I can stop. And like the world is not going to fall apart Yeah, because I am not God. Mm-hmm. God is God. Yep. And so I can stop and I can just rest. And so I think we were made for those rhythms of work and play. Right. And that's what rest is. It's just like, spending time with God, spending time in creation. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there are other things too that I could probably think of, but I do think pursuing God and his people um, and then just resting have been just really important. And then obviously Mary keeps me sane. Um, (laughs) So like just having her, but, but yeah, I'd say that those are some things that, you know, help a lot just listening to people and, but yeah. I, yeah, I, like I said, I don't feel like I'm hanging on for dear life. Like, I feel like God has been really gracious. And I think those means of grace, of just having his word, getting to hear from him, being able to just go to him in prayer at any time, being able to be with his people, to learn from them, to, to walk with them, to depend on them, all of that, and, and then to be able to rest mm-hmm. and, like, not be in charge, you know, but just to stop 
Yeah. I think all of that has been so important. Uh, and God has been very kind through that. That's what's up, man. And, you know, I know I'm sure that a lot of people that are in your life have, you know, you know, shared their gratitude with you. But if if there's some people out there in your life that maybe haven't yet, I like to speak on their behalf. You know, I just want to thank you, man, for your just your willingness to fulfill the purpose that God has placed in your life and constantly just walking in faith. And like I was saying earlier, obviously, nobody's perfect. And obviously, we're going to fall you know, more often than we would probably like, mm-hmm. but, you know, just your, just seeing you and the love that you have for, you know, your wife and the people that are in your life and especially most importantly, the Lord is a truly an inspiration. It's something that's inspired me. And, you know, I, I'd have no doubt in my mind that there are just going to be so many lives, so many more lives that are going to be impacted by you. And, you know, when people, share their testimonies, your name is going to be in it. Or even if they, even if your name may not be in it, your fingerprints are going to be all in it. And obviously, you know, God's fingerprints are in it, but you're, you would have had an impact in their life. And, you know, I'll end it on this, you know, before, before I released or the launch of this podcast, I did a video and I was just talking about the book of Esther and how it's, a book that I don't know if it's every translation, but I feel like most translations I looked it up. Um, it doesn't really mention God's name in it, but you can see his handiwork in every single page and every single chapter in between every single line and see how God was guiding it. And so, you know, just your willingness to serve God and, you know, even being on here and gracing this platform with your presence, you know, I, 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 I know that, somebody's going to be impacted by the things that you've said and the things that God has spoken through you, man. And, you know, you know, I'm, I'm an, I'm definitely a, an example of someone that has been impacted by you. And I know for a fact that there's going to be so many people that are going to be impacted by you in the future. So thank you, man, for being here. Thank you for just the love that you have for God. Thank you for being my brother in Christ and everything, man. So appreciate you. Um, thank y'all for tuning in to this episode. Uh, if you're listening, um, how you can get connected, how you can get, you know, tuned in. We have this podcast on all streaming platforms, Apple, that's Apple podcasts, Spotify, and, uh, Google podcasts. Uh, that's you are story. That's the letter U, the letter R and then story. Make sure to go on those. Please, uh, leave a rating and a review five stars, but, Whatever, whatever you like, put it there, but preferably five stars. That'll be great. That'll just help put this podcast in the ears of more people so that we can just see God's work just happen and impact and that radius of influence of God just spread to the ends of the earth. So, you know, please leave a review. I'd love to hear what y'all think of each episode of the podcast as a whole. Please do that. We also have a YouTube channel. Uh, that's the letter U, the letter R, and the letter U, spate, no. I don't even know my own name. The letter U, the letter R, no space between that. Then a space, then story. Uh, we have YouTube. So, you know, if you're on you, if you're watching on YouTube, please leave a like, please subscribe, please leave a comment. I'd love, I'd love to hear what y'all have to say and just to hear about what God is doing in your lives and, you know, where, you know, you may have fallen, where God has picked you up and things like that. I'll be amazing to hear. So please, you know, just tune in on there. 
And also follow us on Instagram. That's the letter U, the letter R, story podcast on Instagram. Um, you know, I just post some of the reels on there and just some of the, you know, I guess the editing I do for each episode, I put it on there too. So it's just a great, If you may, you may not have too much time to listen to the full episode, but you can tune in there to hear, you know, some key parts from each episode. So again, just please tune in. You know, I, I truly do feel like God is doing something great here and, you know, I feel like he has us doing this for a reason. You know, us, you know, I, I said I'd mentioned this in one of the episodes. You are story when you bring that together and use the, you know, the um, abbreviation for that. It trans it, it's us. You are story us. So this podcast is truly for us. So, again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Sam, again, for being here. I, I appreciate it, man. And we will see you all next time. Peace.